I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the 11th chapter of Matthew, where we will read Matthew 11, verses 20 through 30 together, and this will be the basis of our message. So Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 20, then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, as we get a chance to read this passage of Scripture. And we look at people that could be weary among us today. What a blessing it is to be able to find a prescription for that, is to come to Jesus, to take upon your yoke that is easy, it is light. And help us to be reminded of this today, that we would find rest for our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. 2020 has been a hard year, and the first week of November has been a grueling one. I suspect that you were like me and looking to move past this contentious presidential election, and could it go any other way? where you had to have one candidate on election night declaring that he was the victor, and then a few days later, the other candidate declaring that he is the victor supported by the media. And it would seem to us like this will be settled in the courts in the days ahead. What we longed for was closure. We longed for closure in the Senate race as well to find out who will have control. This past week, a very influential, potentially a landmark case for religious liberty began before the U.S. Supreme Court, where there is a Catholic social service that, that is in charge of offering adoption in the city of Philadelphia, being sued by that city. 
Because they hold to a traditional view of marriage, they have not allowed children to be adopted by those same-sex couples. And now they are being sued. And this case likely will shed light on the future of religious liberty in America. Can a secular agency enforce its beliefs on religious ones? A little closer to home, just yesterday, a Wisconsin broke another single-day record of COVID cases, over 7,000, shattering the previous one by that was around 6,000. And that has ramifications, doesn't it? And it has ramifications because so many of us have intense views on this COVID-19. And we don't check those views in at the front door as we come into church. And so we're, we're working through with love and unity and humility through those challenges. And then within our own family, it was a challenging week. On Wednesday, a dear husband, a dear friend within our church, Gerald Holowinski, uh, was laid to rest as we observed his life here at the church. And then just yesterday, other family members within our church, Paul and Rita Jackson, laid to rest their wonderful daughter, Kate, being assured that they will see her again in heaven. And that's the pile on all the other stresses of work, marriage, and tensions that could be between child and parents. And I think of even this week for our church, the, the assembling of all of our budgets and, and the pressures of trying to get all that together for the coming weeks and forecasting 2021. And then I go out on Wednesday night from church. After a full day of ministry, I go out and I look beyond, below my vehicle to see a, a metal hangy thing uh, from the, below the vehicle. And I'm reminded that not only am I broken, not only do I minister to broken people, but now I have a broken vehicle, amen? <laughs> or on the verge of brokenness, nonetheless. So where do we go to find rest for our souls? And I think we see the answer to that in our passage today. So would you look along with me here at these verses that we'll consider together. In verses 20 through 24, the first point I want to make to you is Jesus was largely rejected in Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. We saw that when I read verses 20 through 24. Jesus would go into these communities. He would perform miracles and preach the gospel but he was largely resisted there. And those of you who have burden for souls, if Jesus could go into an area, perform miracles, and be the greatest evangelist to ever live, and he could be rejected, well, then you will be rejected as well. So how does he respond to this rejection? We see the second part of our passage Jesus' rejection turned to praise for those who did receive forgiveness of sins. Look with me at verse 25. It says, At that time, coming back from being rejected in these villages, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. So he's going to provide an explanation of what was going on as he was sharing the gospel. 
There are two different types of people, Jesus is saying here. There are the wise and understanding. And you have to realize that when he says that, he is saying that with sarcasm. He's referring to these godless intellectuals that are so filled with religion that they have no space in their mind and heart for truth. And he is comparing them with what the verse 25 says, little children. Now this Greek word is used in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1 as well as Hebrews 5 verse 13 to speak of young people that are so dependent that they cannot even take in solid food. The reason there were some in these villages that would receive the gospel and others would not had everything to do with whether they were humble or whether they were proud. So this isn't an issue of whether one is educated or uneducated. It's not an issue of whether one is brilliant or has a simple mind. It's not an issue of whether they are knowledgeable or ignorant. It has everything to do with are they relying on self or are they relying on God? You see, Christianity is not opposed to education. The Apostle Paul was among the most educated that there ever was. And he led the church. So there is this thought here that is articulated in Psalm 138, verse 6, that says, For the Lord is high. He regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. And then that leads us to the basis of our passage today, of which Jesus, before he moves off from this topic, offers another invitation to the little children, to the humble, that they would receive forgiveness and rest for their souls. So let's look what he says here in chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is an invitation that was extended to the original hearer and to the hearers today to come to Jesus. Not to come to a system of beliefs or an endeavor of physical exertion that is disciplined, that you can somehow accomplish God's favor, but to come to Jesus and to rest in His work and to rest in who He is. So He invites, come to Me. And he says this, all who labor and are heavy laden. The invitation is to all that feels exhausted. The word labor and heavy laden has some overlap in its meanings. It means to be exhausted in an attempt to try to gain God's favor and to say, I've had it. I can no longer Try this anymore. I must come to the end of myself and just receive the gift that he has offered. And it says there, for those who come to Jesus, who are labor and heavy laden, he will provide rest. Now we need to define what that word rest is, don't we? There's many different definitions of rest. I can remember in the spring when when we just started the quarantine, I was trying to, Stay in shape. 
and I was watching these YouTube exercise videos. I think this guy's name was like Bully Juice, this big muscular black guy. And what he would do is have to exert a lot of energy for a minute doing push-ups, and then you get 30 seconds rest. And then another minute of jumping jacks, and then a 30-second rest. You know, is that what the rest is here? I'm going to continue to exert self-reliance to try to get right with God. Then I'm going to take a little break, and I'm going to try it again. That's not what rest means here. When Jesus says you will find rest, he means rest from self-reliance. I'm not going to try this on my own. I'm going to depend completely on what Jesus has done on my behalf. It is not only this rest from self-reliance. It is also a rest from worry. You know, children uh, growing up here with our boys, we've just chosen not to have a dog in the house. It's not that we're against dogs. It's just that if we go on a trip, we've got to find a, a dog sitter we've chosen. Let's not even go down that path. Well, because we, we don't have dogs, sometimes if we go to a family members or that do have a dog and they're the size of a small horse, it scares our kids to death. And it's not unusual for the little ones to, to kind of climb up into my lap and say, oh, dad, would you protect me? That's a good picture of what it means to rest in Jesus. If Jesus can save you from the flames of hell, he can save you from a turbulent and weary week. We are to find rest. Rest from self-effort. Yes, also rest from worry. I don't know if you've ever had, when you were growing up, or maybe right now, where you've had a long-distance relationship. I I did states away. And there was this, this sense of, man, I just can't wait to be with my soulmate. I can't wait to spend time with her. And then we would be reunited at the airport. And there was a sense of, finally, I, I am where I belong. And, and nothing can interfere with that. Just, just on a drive home, it was like, I am at peace I have a rest. I can rest in this relationship. There is another sort of rest that I'd like you to consider, and it's rest from a double mind. What do you mean by double mind? It's this idea of at one time being afraid and another time being faithful. It's another time being given over to worry and another time being given over to believing When we come to Jesus, we come and we can find rest from that double mind. We can just trust entirely in what he has done on our behalf. And you know something? I don't know that that sits well for many of us. Because we like to have a say and we like to have some influence in that. The idea of a gift being presented to us and all we have to do is receive it, for many of us, that is a challenge for us. Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Bill stood up here and, and we stood in front of you as a family on Pastor Recognition Month and, and, and there was a presented to us some gifts and check and, and we are just so humbled by that and we're like, man, we... We do not deserve that, and, and 
what are we supposed to do with this? And, and I remember him standing up here and saying, we understand that you would like to have a canoe. And so this money can go to offset that canoe. Well, that is true. Elijah and I, we were, uh, had a wonderful time in September and we had a father-son time to, to talk about the things of God and purity. And we, we came away from that camping trip saying, you know, it would be wonderful to have a canoe. And so from that moment, for the last six weeks or so, I've been studying and, and saying, what would be a good fit for us? And I identified one. And then I found one locally on, on Facebook Marketplace. And I, and I went over and I thought, you know, we've worked for this. We've saved for this. And, and I'm looking forward to purchasing it. This could be a good one for us, something that our family could kind of work on and sand it down and paint it and fix it up. And when I arrived, it was a, it was a couple that Melanie and I have known for years. And, and as we talked a little bit about this, and, and they've kind of kept track or just caught up with our lives, this couple says, you know what? We've prayed about this, and we don't want to receive any money at all from you. We, we want to give this to you. And I'm like, no, that's not right. I, I've worked for this. Let me have this satisfaction of, of having this. No, we believe that this is what... This is what God would have us to do. And, and quite frankly, I didn't let him get away with that. I, I had to pay something, and I'm afraid that we can be the same way when it comes to Jesus. Here it is, a gift that's being offered to you. You just receive it. Receive this rest. Today, as we take the Lord's Supper in a little while, that's what we're doing. We're just receiving the gift or remembering that we did receive the gift. But I just want to tell you, loved ones, that Matthew chapter 8 or 11 does not end with chapter 28. Rather, there are two more verses. Unless you think that the Christian life can be illustrated with a hammock, where you just need to receive this gift and now lay back and relax, that is not what we have here. There's two commands. The first is to come to me, And the second is found in verse 29, is to take my yoke. Yeah, that's right. If you wanted to illustrate the Christian life based on this passage, it would not be by a hammock, but it would be by a yoke. Now, what is a yoke? It is a piece of farming equipment that would be placed over the back of an ox, of which that ox would pull a plow or some a wagon or some sort of an equipment and where they would do the hard work. The, the yoke was a tool of control for the master. And Jesus is saying, as you find rest, as you have come to me, there's something that I have for you. And it is a yoke. And you'll see whose yoke it is. It says there in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Do you think Jesus would give you a bad yoke? No, he would give you a good yoke. Well, what does this passage say about that? Look with me at verse 30. It says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a couple of things I want to just mention to you about this yoke. The word easy here in verse 30, it means in Greek, well fitted. And here's the picture, that when an ox would get to a certain size or a certain age, they would take that ox down to the yoke builder 
And a yoke would be tailor-made for that ox. It was like, we're going to measure this ox, and we're going to find out a yoke that is precisely made just for this body size. And so as it would maneuver, it was, it was customized. I can't help but think of the parallel for the Christian life. If you have trusted Christ and you receive rest in him, do you know that you are to take up Jesus' yoke for your life? And that yoke is tailor-made for you as well. Some of you are brought up in a family. It wasn't a Christian family. And maybe you thought, man, I wish, I wish my dad was like this. I just want to remind you that that yoke was tailor-made for you. Maybe some of you had this physical look, or you might even call it a defect. And I would just remind you that the yoke that Jesus has given to you was tailor-made for you. Maybe there's an event in your life that has happened years ago or maybe even recently and you're struggling with it. God, why did you allow this to happen? It is something that is beyond my control. And I would just remind you that God's yoke is tailor-made for you. And here's the truth. As a part of that tailor-made yoke, he has also given to you the grace that is sufficient for you to grow and to persevere with that yoke. Here's a second thing I'd like to tell you about the yoke. These yokes during the first century were tandem yokes. There was not an ox that was doing the work by itself. Rather, there would be another ox beside him or her. And here is how it would work. There would be a strong ox that is experienced paired with one that is just learning how to take that yoke upon themselves. And they'd say, here you go. You teach this young ox how to use this yoke and to go out in the fields and to pull this heavy load and to plow this field. Initially, the young ox would not carry much weight. The older one would say, you just follow me. And then there was an expectation that you will grow in strength. And that you would be able to pull your own weight. And can we not help but think of the parallels in discipleship? That when a person becomes a Christian, it finds rest for their souls as they come to Jesus and is not self-reliant but reliant entirely on God, that they have to match up with others who are who are further along, that are stronger in the faith, and they say, come along with me, get in a yoke with me, and I will lead you, I will show you this Christian life. Some of you are more mature in the faith. Some of you are more advanced in this Christian life. You ought to be looking for people that are younger, that you could say, get in the yoke with me, and I want to show you what this Christian life looks like. Now here at Highland Crest, what we have chosen to do is say, let's do that through our Sunday school class. Or let's do that through a small group that meets on Sunday evenings. The purpose of this is for you to, yes, hear the Word of God, but also to build relationships so that you can have it modeled for you. And when you are weak, there'll be someone that will help move you along. And when you are sensing God's strength, you can take the weak and bring them along with you. 
And leaders, this is how we are to, to organize and lead our class, to be able to bring younger, more immature people along in the faith. All who receive rest are to take a yoke and to learn from Jesus. This yoke is tailor-made for every follower of Jesus. It is light and good for us. Listen to what it says there in verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's possible some could be hearing me today or seeing this passage and saying, hey, I thought, I thought Jesus, when you, when you came to Jesus, he would take those burdens away. He will. And he provides a yoke, but that yoke is not heavy. In fact, the scripture says there in 1 John 5, verse 13, this is the law, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. There's a cute little story told years ago of of two little boys, one that was older than the other, And and as they were walking along a path, an older man came up beside them, and he couldn't help but notice the older brother was carrying the the younger brother who was crippled. And the older man said to him, Hey, is he heavy? And the older brother said, No, he's not heavy. He's He's my brother. That's right. Sounds like a good song from the late 60s and 70s, doesn't it? But that's the idea. Is Jesus has taken my burden. I've come to him. I found rest. And his commands for me are good. Isn't that true? Haven't you found that to be true when you obey Jesus? Our family is, is trying to memorize the Beatitudes uh, during our family devotions. And isn't it true that when we are poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Isn't it Appropriate when we think through those and meditate on those and apply those, those are good for our lives. Here's the, here's the other part about taking that yoke. I want to bring you back up to verse 29. It says, take my yoke upon you. And then he says this, and learn from me. Charles Spurgeon said this, we are to be workers and take his yoke. And at the same time, we are to be scholars and learn from his teachings. So there's really two commands here. One, come to me, and two, take my yoke. A part of taking my yoke is to learn from Jesus. I I sense that there are some that what they need to do is turn off cable TV and learn from Jesus. They need to turn off their devices and read the scriptures and learn who Jesus is. And I would say it this way, if you claim to be a Christian and you are not actively seeking to learn who Jesus is, I would say there's a contradiction in your testimony. Because this is what those who come to Jesus do, they learn from Jesus. And what do they learn? It says here in verse 29, For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Spurgeon again said there's 89 chapters in the Gospels, and there is only one chapter and one verse where Jesus discloses what his heart is like. It's chapter 11, verse 29. I remind you what Proverbs says, keep your heart with all vigilance, 
for from it flows the springs of life. What does Jesus disclose about his heart? He says there, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Anyone here weary today? Anyone here burdened? Anyone here tired? The invitation is extended to you. When it says here that Jesus is gentle and lowly, this means he is approachable. He is accessible. He is not one that will turn people down. Unless you think that he is a pushover, I remind you what he said in verses 20 through 24, where he was calling judgment upon these cities, saying, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Rather, you will be going to Hades. But yet in his heart, we see this gentleness, this lowliness. So I'd appeal to you today, as we consider the Lord's Supper. It's been a hard year. It's been a hard week. Let us heed what Jesus says. Come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, and find rest. Take my yoke upon you, and you see what it says there, the promise, in the last part of verse 29, and you will find rest for your souls. Anyone here need rest? I do. Let us find our rest in Jesus today. Let's pray together. Father, as we think of this passage, we're grateful that your word speaks specifically to our weeks, specifically to our lives. And for many of us, this was just a really good reminder. The invitation is for us. We are to come to you. To come to you again to bring our burdens. To find this rest. A rest from worry. A rest from self-reliance. A rest from double-mindedness. But not just that. With your grace to take the yoke that is tailor-made for us. And with your grace to get to know you more. And to find the delight of having this relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.